Should physicians hire a contract attorney? What are some of the pitfalls when it comes to physician contracts? What is the deal with non-compete clauses? Learn the answers to these questions and many more on this episode of the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast, where it's all about serving the early career physician. Let's talk about the unique issues that face us so we can create a better future for ourselves and those to come. And now your host, Dr. Andrew Tisser. Hey guys, it's Andrew. Welcome back to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. I am so happy to be here with you again. For my returning listeners, thank you so much for your continued listening. For my new listeners, welcome, because today, like on every episode, I'm bringing you the best guests from all around healthcare and beyond to talk about issues relating to the early career physician. Today, we have a special treat. Many of you ask me questions about contracts, contract attorneys, and what to look for in a new job contract. While I find myself to be a little bit more knowledgeable than some, we really should turn to the experts. So today, I have Kyle Clausen on the show. Kyle Clausen is the CEO of Resolve, a company dedicated to empowering physicians. Resolve has the number one rated physician contract review service, and their team provides tremendous value to physicians by democratizing the data and information required by physicians when making career decisions. Resolve assists physicians of all specialties and provides services nationwide. Kyle is a frequent presenter to residency programs on the topic of physician employment contracts, physician compensation, and negotiation tactics, and recently was asked to speak at the National Conference for the American Academy of Otolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery. Kyle is a member of the American Health Lawyer Association and multiple state bar associations. He received his LLM in taxation from Boston University, his JD from the University of Laverne College of Law and a bachelor's in business administration from North Dakota State University. Well, without further ado, let's bring Kyle onto the show. Kyle Clausen, welcome to the Talk To Me Doc podcast. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. Yes, thank you. Uh, Well, I already recorded a little intro for the listeners about you, but uh, in your own words, if you could tell us who you are and what you do and your relationship to healthcare. Sure. Um, Well, I'm Kyle Clausen, which I'm sure is in the intro. Uh, I'm the CEO of Resolve, which is a a large nationwide physician um, consulting and and technology company. We, you know, assist the doctors uh, with anything revolving around their contracts, meaning if they need uh, assistance with knowing what fair market value is, if they need uh, to understand kind of the protections uh, from a language standpoint of what most contracts should and shouldn't have in them. that's that's one of the functions that we provide, as well as giving them options in the marketplace. You know, making sure they understand uh, what's available out there, so they can make good decisions with with their careers and with their contracts. Yeah, I think Resolve is uh, is a great company. I've referred some of my own clients uh, your way, um, just because it's pretty. Co- you know, it goes from pretty basic to pretty comprehensive, depending on on what people need or want. Correct. Uh, so, Kyle, what is your uh, your background? What's your training? Yeah, so I'm a, an attorney by training, um, and so I've been practicing, you know, in the the realm of, of healthcare law and employment law um, for over a decade, and and we focus, you know, 100% on physician contract work and things like that. So we've worked with with large employers, with small private practices, um, you know, across the country, and I think it's 
you know, a, a unique vantage point to be able to say this is what's common and, and what's not common, you know, out there in the market. So you can feel confident when you're making those decisions. Yeah, agreed. The, you know, there's a lot of things I think you can, you can do yourself. And I, I recommend a lot of my clients who are getting to learn what's out there and, and learn as much about each subject that they can. But I think contracts in general, um, I, my blanket statement is everyone should have an attorney review their contract. I, that's uh, one of those no stops uh, for me. I'm sure you agree, but you're biased. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm certainly biased and, and I would completely agree on the education side of it up front. I mean, it, it's actually more helpful for me uh, when we're talking with the client that understands the components, you know, that they understand tail coverage, they understand what non-competes are, because then you can have a, a better discussion on the actual terms and the actual language, you know, what, what makes sense for that client versus somebody else. And we really make sure we're trying to customize and prioritize that. So I think as much education prior to coming into that meeting and that discussion is, is really helpful. Sure. Just like anything else. But um, I, so uh, let's say you've got a, a resident doc, um, you know, in their last year and maybe they got a job offer and, and they're excited. They got the, they got the big bucks, but uh, what, uh, and they want to come to you to make sure it's, it's a reasonable offer and reasonable contract. What are the, some of the things that uh, you really want to look out for? I know you mentioned non-competes. It's kind of a sore subject of mine, but uh, what are some of maybe some of the big things you're looking for in a contract um, that uh, doc should be aware of? Yeah. I think the the three areas that you have to be comfortable with and, and be able to live with, the, the first one would be what I call the job itself or kind of the day in and day out things, which most often gets overlooked and which is most often not accurate or, or not reflective of what they've told you in the interview process. And that's things like where you're going to work, you know, locations of service, um, what your schedule is going to look like, how many days of the week you're going to work, if it's shift work, if it's day shift or night shift, things like that. Um, how is call going to be allocated? Staffing, uh, you know, meaning if they promise you certain staff or certain equipment, you know, especially if you're the first one in or out of a practice, is that delineated well enough? That, that's that's kind of bucket one. And there's a lot in that bucket to, to talk about. But But those are the things that I think you've got to be sure of. And I think that's the area where most relationships will break down first, because, you know, if they told you a call was supposed to be one and four, and all of a sudden it's one and two, well, then you become dissatisfied and you start to be looking for another job and things like that. And, you know, that leads into, you know, the termination section, which I think is probably the second most important part, uh, how the contract can terminate. Um, if there are incentives that they've given you, meaning signing bonuses, relocation allowances, you know, student loan repayments, stuff like that. Um, you need to understand what strings are attached to that, how long you've got to remain in the area, how it's forgiven, you know, the, the formula for how it's forgiven. And then, you know, malpractice insurance, tail coverage, you know, that's another cost on termination that you need to be aware of and who covers that cost. And, and then the third biggest thing probably in that bucket, which is non-monetary, is the, the non-compete, meaning if the entire thing, you know, falls apart, where can you go to work after the fact? Because most of these contracts will have some type of restriction, whether it's mileage or counties that they're preventing you from working in for a certain amount of time, you know, post-termination. And so that, that level of importance really differs from client to client. Some clients say, you know, if this, if this falls apart, I'm moving 10 states away, so don't worry about it. And some clients have three kids in school and all their families in town, and it's, it's kind of priority number one. So uh, you really have to pay attention to all those termination things. And then the third one is just compensation and benefits, making sure you know what the market is for your services, making sure you're being paid fairly, 
and that the structure most importantly is fair. So that way, if you're seeing, you know, pick a number, the 70th percentile type volume that you're also earning 70th percentile money. And, and a lot of those contracts are not structured that way from the get go. So uh, paying attention to that and knowing what's fair is, is probably the third biggest area. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I agree with everything. And in regards to non-competes, you know, I, I live in Buffalo, New York. So a 30-mile non-compete will eliminate the entirety of the city. Um, yeah. Whereas, uh, you know, if you lived in a bigger metropolitan area, um, there would there'd be more options to choose from. So I think it's it's really important to, to nail that down. You know, you go, you buy a house, you move, and then uh, what, you can't work for a year? You know, that's that's a big problem. Um, there's a lot floating around online in some of the doctors groups and things about the enforceability of non-competes. Is that a, a state slash jurisdiction specific or, or is there any kind of global comment you can make on that? Yeah, there's no federal legislation or overarching rule at this point. It is state specific. There are some states that have done away with them for physicians, um, meaning they're unenforceable if they're in the contract and you don't need to worry about that as much. And, and a lot of those states, you know, the employers know that too, and they'll, they'll do a pretty good job of leaving them out. Um, most states, almost all the states have what they call a reasonableness test. And so they're going to look at the time period that's listed. They're going to look at the geographic restriction, meaning the mileage of the counties. And they're going to look at the scope of, of practice of what they're preventing you from doing. And they're going to see if each of those factors is reasonable. And, uh, you know, the, the unfortunate part is, is to find out if they're reasonable it means you've got to go to, to court and have a judge decide that. I mean, there's no attorney that can tell you, yes, this will or will not be upheld. So if, you, if you're getting that advice, I think it's, um, I, I don't think they, that statement can be made. And so what you want to do is try to minimize those things as much as possible up front. So that way you don't have to find out if it's enforceable. You can just live with the outcome that's in your contract and find something else. So the answer is, is whether they're enforceable, you'll, you probably won't find out. You probably won't know uh, unless you want to invest, you know, fifty thousand dollars in litigation to, to go through that process, which which most people don't. Yeah, I think I think unless you live in one of those states, uh, taking the advice of "oh, don't don't worry about it; it won't be enforceable anyway" is you know I've heard that before, and I think that's really bad advice. Um, also, because what you think is reasonable and what a judge may find to be reasonable can vastly differ. <laughs> Correct. Um, and so, the, the pockets, when we talk about, you know, litigation, um, the pockets of your employer are usually much deeper than your own individually. And so they can live with a, a lawsuit much, uh, much easier than you can. And so again, I would say whether or not it's enforceable doesn't really matter. What matters is, can you live with it, you know, up front? Yep, absolutely. I also uh, often caution my clients that you know um, verbal uh, verbal agreements with the employer during the interview. Oh yeah, the, you know we'll have ex ancillary staff, or uh, the volumes are one patient an hour, whatever they tell you um, is it, quite frankly is all trash unless it's written down. Um, so that's uh, you know you get a lot of promises on interview day, but uh, really got to dig into that contract to see what uh, where. <laughs> what they're actually promising you. Yeah. And, and legally there's a, there's a clause in almost every contract that's called the entire agreement or the merger clause, which, which takes all the previous emails and letters of intent and verbal conversations that they've had and it, it wipes them out from a legal standpoint. And so, it, you know, not only does it not happen in reality, but even legally, those are non-binding, you know, discussion points. That's all considered negotiation. It's not considered the final deal. And so if there are things that are important to you, like call or number of patients, you've got to get that detailed. 
I didn't know about that one. So that's, that is a good point to emphasize for the listeners. So, I mean, I think you talked about it a little bit. Um, you know, what are, what are some major pitfalls that you see, uh, or, or, uh, if I'm kind of putting you on the stop spot here, but if you can think of any like really egregious things you've seen in contracts, for an example, I think that would be kind of fun to, to talk about. Yeah. So I think the, the pitfall standpoint comes into people and, and physicians, since that's our clients, not understanding uh, a lot of the repayment components or the kind of golden handcuffs that might be in these contracts. We, we see a few situations where there'll be large incentives, right? Whether that's in a recruitment agreement from a hospital or, or just the practice itself that's fronting, you know, whether it's assigning bonus or student loans, and they don't realize that even if the practice terminates them, or even if there's a COVID, you know, type event where all of a sudden, you know, there's furloughs and they're cutting back, that those items are still subject to repayment if they walk away. They just assume that, well, if it's not my fault, I don't have to pay it back. And that's almost never true from the from the initial version of the contract. Those are things that you'd have to change and work in uh, and massage the language to get it where you want to. Um, that same rule or that same concept would apply to the non-compete. I think most people think that if they get let go, the non-compete is void. And I think that's a really good argument. I think a judge might agree with it. But most contracts are drafted to say that it doesn't matter how it terminates. You know, No matter what, you're prevented from, from working in this area. And one of the examples that I, I like to go back to was from a client that came to us a handful of years ago, five or six years ago now, um, that joined a private group and thought she was getting into this partnership track type discussion with them in an employment situation. And she worked there for four days. And on the, the first Friday of her employment, um, all the partners came in and said, Hey, you know, good news. We just sold out, you know, to, to private equity. Oh my God. And, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she was disappointed in that obviously, but, uh, you know, they came in with a new contract and said, here's, here's the new terms. Well, it happened to be that there was, you know, more call and less pay. And she just said, you know, I, I'm not interested in that. I wanted partnership track. Well, they said, that's fine, but your non-compete is in play now because it applies regardless of how the contract terminates and you're the one walking away. And so that situation is a, an extreme example, but, but man, that's a tough spot to be in when you just moved to town, you know, you just have signed a lease or bought a house. And then on day four, the entire situation changes on you and you're kind of stuck with the decision of what do I do now? Do I want to try to get out of this, you know, or not? Do I want to try to enforce it and have a judge tell them they're wrong? you know, that's, that's not a position you want to be in. Wow. Yeah. I mean, talk about, uh, you know, early career burnout, right? Look at you, you get thrown at four day five, you get tossed that kind of legal situation. That's horrible. Right. Right. So those are, those are some of the, you know, kind of egregious situations that we see. And again, um, we didn't help her with her contract, but I mean, if we did, we should at least have been informed of those things and known that, you know, the non-compete doesn't read that way right now. And, and we'd be asking for those changes. And if, if they say no to them, then I think it's just, you know, a decision for the individual to say, well, can I live with that potential outcome or not? Sure. No, that's a good, great points. Um, well, so do you, uh, does your company help uh, docs on the negotiation side as well? Uh, we do. Yeah. So um, with, with our service, we feel like having, you know, flat fees and, and full access is important. So you're not worried about, you know, hourly rates and things like that. And, and one of the things that we provide as part of that is, is the ability to have discussions with and negotiate with the employers. Um, in, in some settings, clients would prefer to do that themselves uh, because they want the relationship and they don't want to burn that and they keep us in the background. Others will say, hey, 
you know, I don't want to touch this at all. You know, I'm not comfortable with negotiating. And so please go do that for me. And either of those things is an option. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I, I personally love negotiating. Um, sure. you know, I, my wife makes fun of me for it, but I, I enjoy it. So I, I would never want uh, an attorney to do it for me, but I know there's a lot of people that are like, I, I could never, you know, I could never do this. Um, but the, uh, the important point I think to stress is that really everything is negotiable. Um, even, uh, you know, I think doctors see dollars and cents and, and not that type of thing as, uh, as, you know, well, we got to negotiate a higher salary or a higher bonus structure. But I like to tell you know my friends and my clients that well, you know you can negotiate things that are maybe not as important to your employer, but are very important to you, such as time, you know, time off, protected time, and things of that nature. Yeah, and even some of the other what I would say are softer things. The numbers obviously speak for themselves, but things like outside activities, you know, with your podcast, for example, right? Um, there's a lot of side gig action going on and, and people having social media platforms and things like that, where you want to be extremely certain that those things belong to you, that the revenue stays with you, that there's no prohibition on, on you doing that or any claims by the employer that they own part of it. Um, and so that's that's becoming... Not that it always hasn't been important, but it used to be just moonlighting and locum work. And it's no longer just that. It's consulting, it's it's social media, all that stuff. So there are certainly things outside of compensation that you need to be paying attention to and being careful on. Yeah, absolutely. I think, especially in some of the larger corporate groups, uh, oftentimes it's very important to get some of that in writing before you start. Um, because, uh, we've seen, unfortunately, some, some bad events for side gig projects that were very lucrative that then, uh, some of these companies claimed ownership in and, and were entitled to, to revenue from by the letter of the law. Yeah, I so, agree. Um, you know, I, I see it a lot with uh, with academic positions. A lot of a lot of docs say, "Well, I'm taking an academic job. There's no room for negotiation, or these contracts are set." Um, do you find that? I mean, I, I know they're sometimes more challenging uh, to deal with, but do you find that to be true? The the comment that the contract is what it is and it's set is is not even unique to academics. Most employers will take that position that this is what the last person signed and it is what it is. Uh, we find that even academic institutions will negotiate and will change terms if there's a need for that individual. And so I think you always have to think about supply and demand and think about how many candidates they have, you know, how many other offers you have individually and how hard you want to push on things. But I have not found any type of employer that's not willing to negotiate if you have leverage and if you're really willing to walk away on certain things. Now, occasionally they will take the position that for this situation, they're not going to change it. So that, that is a potential outcome, but that's, that's a minority position. Um, most will make adjustments if they're reasonable and if they fall into kind of fair market value requests. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think docs as a whole are kind of scared to, to ask for things, but um, I like to tell people you'll never get anything you don't ask for. Uh, and what's the worst thing that can happen? You know, oftentimes, unless it's said in like a threatening way, um, you know, even if the answer is no, there's no damage to the relationship there. Correct. Um, and, and that's where I think having an understanding of what, what is normal and what the market is, is presenting at that point in time is so important. And that's, that's a hard reference point for a lot of people to have. But, you know, if you can understand and have data behind you that says, well, for my specialty, you know, this is about 20% low, you know, even if they say no to it, they shouldn't be offended by it to the point where, you know, they would pull the offer or wreck the relationship, you know, that type of thing. And so I think that that's, that's probably the, one of the bigger benefits of 
you know, having access to that information. Now, are you talking about like standardized uh, salary numbers, like MGMA data and things like that, or 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 something else? I know I am. Yeah. So MGMA data is, is great. And a lot of the employers will reference that in their documents itself. There's other surveys out there too, that are, are being referenced. Um, so knowing what that looks like, and again, having multiple offers, which is better than MGMA in my opinion, because it's real, something you can walk to. Um, if you have those things, those are, those are what you want to compare side by side. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so in regards to the point before about, uh, uh side gigs and things like that, you know, we often see, um, so-called Dean's taxes in, uh, in academia. Um, is that, is there any way to get around that or is that just kind of what happens in, in the academic spheres? Yeah. in, in the academic world, there's often a, a split right on the, the revenues that are generated from, from side gigs. Um, I, th- I think you can, you can still try to carve those things out, especially if it's something you had started prior to, you know, working for that employer um, and or if it's completely outside of their time and resources. Uh, I think there's still an argument to be made that those should re- retain, you know, be retained 100% by you, you know, the individual. Um, that being said, anytime you've got a larger employer with a policy in place, um, you know, they do try to uniformly apply those so they're not discriminating. So I think that that would be one of those items that might be a little more difficult to, to change. Yeah, that's fair. So, uh, you know, I think in regards to either initial contracts, new, you know, renegotiating contact contracts or, or, or negotiations in general, um, for those who kind of want to go, go at the negotiations alone, do you have any like tips or tricks that you could provide? Yeah. The, the first comment that I would make is to try to be as efficient with that as you can. There's negotiation fatigue on the employer's side, if you continually come back to them over and over and kind of nitpick one thing after the next, after the next. And sometimes people want to do that, right? They want to address compensation first, then they want to come back and talk about call schedule, then they want to talk about the non-compete. Um, I think you're going to get better results by presenting all those chips or all those pieces, I guess, at one time. And then when you get a response, prioritizing what is most important out of the remaining items that they didn't adjust. Because there's just diminishing returns and fatigue every time you go back and ask. So I think that to me is probably tip number one uh, to try to keep that relationship, you know, in place. And the other thing is, is don't negotiate with yourself. Um, They may come back and say, well, we can't do that. And we have clients that will want to turn around and say, oh, okay, how about, you know, a lower number? How about this instead? Um, You know, try to get them to counter, you know, your offer if, if you're the one making the first adjustment uh, and, and don't don't reoffer numbers or reoffer terms without them making some type of concession. Yeah, that's a great point. I see people doing that all the time, and you know it's important to really make a list of 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 what is important to you, what's your bottom line, you know, what will you walk away from, and what what you will accept, um, and uh, kind of going from there. You know, I agree that nitpicking some of the little items uh, are probably uh, it's probably not the way to go um, if they're less important to you just to to say you did, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and I think in the first round, it's okay to lay everything out there. I mean, if you don't like, I mean, pick something that's smaller, right? If you don't like their access to patient records paragraph, it's okay to say that. But if that's really not an issue for you long-term, but the tail coverage is, I mean, in that second go round, you need to drop the items that are are really not important. Yeah, agreed. And that's a good negotiation con- uh, tip as well. It's like, okay, I'll give up X, Y, and Z, but I really need some movement on 
this paragraph, uh, which you know kind of shows you that you're willing to concede something, even if it's not that important to you. They don't know that. Correct. Yep. Well, uh, I think uh, it's been some pretty great stuff here, Kyle. I want to just shift the show a little bit to get to know you as a guest a little bit more. Um, what uh, What do you like to do for fun besides reading contracts? <laughs> well, I've got three kids, and so I, I tend to be going to activities with them. Um, you know, I've got a son who is into sports, and I've got two daughters that are into anything and everything. So, uh, hanging out with them is fun. I like to golf. I like to play some basketball. Um, stay active. Stay outside. So, those are the things that keep me busy. Well, yeah, I, I would imagine. <laughs> um, do you uh, do you have any book recommendations for the for the listeners? You know, one of the books that I like uh, is called Mindset, and it's by Carol Dweck, I think is how you pronounce her, her last name. Uh, I've, I've found that to be an extremely interesting book for not only business, but, but parenting and just, you know, how uh, having the right attitude and the right mindset can really shape, you know, success for situations, whether it's, it's personal or business. So I would, if anybody hasn't read that one yet, I would, I would put that on your list. Well, that's a guy. I got to check that one out. I, I talk about mindset quite a bit on the show, so I better read the book. Um, you know, I thought I thought of another question. Actually, do you uh, do you see any major changes that we should be aware of um, as this graduating class goes into the market and starts looking for contracts uh, as it pertains to recent current events? Like, is there anything that's changed, or is it just standard what's been before? No, there. That's a great question, and. Um, there are changes, mostly revolving around termination. Yeah, a lot of the contracts before March uh, did not have any type of force majeure clause, is what it's called, which means uh, a, a contract can be terminated if there's some act of God, you know, under the legal language, which would include things like hurricanes, you know, natural disasters, pandemics would fall underneath that bucket. And obviously, we are we are in that setting right now, and so the new contracts that we're seeing and what this graduating class is going to see is those types of, of clauses and those types of paragraphs in the documents that basically say, if there's a pandemic, if we are affected by the pandemic, we're able to terminate the contract and or modify the contracts kind of at will. And so that's obviously not a situation that, that you want uh, as the person, you know, with the contract in your hand. So trying to remove those or trying to build in as much notice provision on those would be important. Uh, so if they do have to, you know, cut pay, for example, uh, that you get a 30, 60, 90 day heads up on that. So it's not just all of a sudden tomorrow your pay gets cut in half or that they put you on furlough. That's the biggest change that we're seeing with the the COVID environment and with the revenues that are kind of ebbing and flowing as places open up and shut down. Great points. I never would have thought of that. So yeah, pay attention to that for sure. So, I, you know, in conclusion, Kyle, do you, um, do you have a single piece of advice for our early career docs out there? Um, what, you know, what can you recommend to them as uh, coming from your background? Yeah, my, my recommendation is uh, the first one, which is obviously biased, and you already said this, but please make sure you're getting some type of professional assistance on your contract and be as educated as you can when you go into that. Uh, attorneys are just like physicians, they specialize. So if you've got a cousin or sister that does family law, I, you know, I don't, I, I like that because it's better than no attorney, but I, I think it's still not as good as somebody that practices healthcare and that understands kind of the nuances of what you're getting into. So that that's step number one. Uh, number two is make sure you've got options, especially in this environment. You know, we, we see employers with, you know, contracts that just, they fall apart at the last minute because of some type of revenue 
you know, discussion internally that they are no longer hiring or there's a hiring freeze. So make sure you've got two, three or four options before you get into the contract negotiation standpoint, because you never know which one might fall off. Great advice. Yeah, thank you. So uh, if people want to learn more about Resolve or get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, all of the information uh, is on our website, resolve.net. Uh, you can go check that out. Um, and obviously, if there's any questions, you know, from that, we've got the ability, you can chat with us there, you can send, you know, questions. Uh, and so that's the best way to reach us. Great. Uh, well, thank you again, Kyle, for coming on the show and sharing your expertise with the listeners. Um, and uh, Kyle and his company have graciously uh, offered our listeners a 10% discount on any of their packages. So uh, please enter the coupon code talk to me doc talk number two me doc um, on checkout if you uh, decide to use resolve. Appreciate so, the conversation. Yes, Kyle. Thanks so much. Take care. You bet. Bye bye. Wow, guys, what an awesome episode with Kyle Clausen. There are so many pearls in that one. I'm going to go listen to it again. I really enjoyed uh, how Kyle recommends learning as much as possible, but still having an attorney at your side. Now, this really affects all walks of life, but great advice. He discussed common pitfalls in physician contracts. He talks about the legality of non-compete clauses and their enforceability provides tips and tricks for negotiation, and we discussed a little bit about how contracts change after COVID. Kyle has generously offered all Talk To Me Doc listeners 10% off of any packages that they offer. Uh, please go to andrewtisserdo.com slash resolve. That's Andrew, T-I-S-S-E-R-D-O.com slash resolve. And enter the promo code talk to me doc talk the number two me doc as a coupon code for this offer the other thing i'd like you to do after listening is please leave me an honest rating and review on apple Podcasts. it really helps spread the word as always if you need any direct help with career strategy contracts finances or anything else i can provide let's hop on a quick phone call you can find me on all social media platforms or at my email, andrew at talktomedocpod.com. Thanks as always for listening, guys. And remember, keep talking. All opinions expressed by the guest in this episode are solely the guest's opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof. The guest's opinions are based upon information he or she considers reliable, but Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LC, nor any affiliates thereof warrant its completeness or accuracy. The guest, Andrew Tissardio, TalkToMe.LC, or any affiliates thereof are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided in this episode. The guest statements and opinions are subject to change without notice.